This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that loves a good mud puddle. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 51 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we will be talking about yard drainage solutions. Now, (laughs) hopefully you're not dealing with nasal drainage right now, um, and hopefully you're also not dealing with yard drainage right now. while this might not sound like a super exciting topic, you know, a couple of these episodes recently have been really like diving in deep to like specific topics. But the reason for that is a lot of us deal with these these specific things at one time or another. And I want you to have this resource available, whether it's now to learn it for the future, or you can always come back to this um, from the future when you're dealing with some of these issues. So today we're talking about yard drainage solutions. Before we jump into this awesome, amazing, super exciting topic that you've been itching to learn about, uh, I have two things. The first thing is, if you enjoy this show and and you've come across this podcast, or maybe you're just downloading the episodes, uh, whichever ones you like, uh, that is awesome. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Now, if you enjoy the show, one thing you can do just to to get updates and not have to search for the show is you can subscribe to the podcast. And subscribing to the podcast will make sure uh, when I have new episodes coming out that you'll get them dropped into your podcast feed. And it's really easy. And the cool thing is if you have an iPhone, all you have to do is say, hey, Siri, subscribe me to the Easy Living Yards podcast. And it'll subscribe you to the podcast which is pretty cool. I think that's a cool feature. Um, and if you're in, you know, Google Play, Android, or Stitcher, or, or um, Spotify, you can also, there's options to subscribe there, or whatever podcasting app you're using, usually there's an option to subscribe, so that way it pops into your podcast feed when you get a new show. And of course, I'd love to have you coming back and getting value out of the shows. So I just wanted to give you that little tidbit there. If you didn't, if you weren't aware of that function, um, that's something you can do with this podcast or any other podcast you enjoy for that matter as well. Okay, so the next thing is I want to cover today's favorite plant. Um, most shows I have a favorite plant to share, um, and a lot of these um, are native plants to the United States, which is really cool, I think, because there's so many beautiful plants that are native to the United States. And a lot of times they get just a bad rap or they take a back seat to, you know, certain plants that aren't, um, that are exotic to the United States and, um, or, you know, non-native, whatever term you want to use, um, that come from a different part of the world originally. And, um, while that's, I'm not going to say anything good or bad about that. Um, I, I love plenty of exotic plants to the United States or non-native plants to the United States. Um, but I also really am especially in the past few years, I'm really starting to appreciate the the wonderful variety of plants we have here just in the United States for those of you listening from the U.S. as well. And if you're from another area as well, I, I guarantee, unless you're living in, you know, the, the Antarctica or something, uh, that there's a, a wide variety, a wide palette of plants that are are indigenous to your region that you can use in your landscape for beautiful purposes. And part of the reason I love these um, plants, you know, from 
their original place or whatever you call original, right? This is, I don't want to get into a huge debate here because some people can go on for hours about this, but it, it gives us, it gives you a sense of place and a sense of being in the place you're from. And I think that's worth being proud of wherever you are from, especially in this increasingly global society that we live in. Um, it's so cool to have a sense of, of self in place. And, you know, coming from Cincinnati here um, in southwestern Ohio in the United States, I grew up here. I still live in this, uh, you know, about 30 minutes from where I grew up. And I never really had a taste or a, a, a pride in the the flora and fauna of our region until the past couple of years where I've really started to appreciate just the, the natural beauty of the space and also um, from a, a design standpoint, what you can do, what a wide variety of plants we have available to us um, to design beautiful landscapes with just what's what's in our, you know, the woods behind our house or the woods down the street or, you know, the, the meadows uh, across the highway. And, and at, to me, that's just so cool. And I think it it's worth, you know, embracing the pride in the space we're from. Okay, I did totally not mean to get off on that super wide tangent, but I hope you at least can appreciate why I love uh, some of these natives um, so much. And, and so with that, today's plant is the fringed sedge. I'll say that again, the fringed sedge. Um, you know, like frilly, whatever, that's the word, fringed. Um, <laughs> The Latin name is Carex crinita, and I actually think that's one I didn't butcher. Hopefully, I didn't butcher that one. Um, now, the reason I'm highlighting fringe sedge today, like a lot of plants in previous episodes, um, is that it kind of fits in today's theme, which is the yard drainage solutions. So if you're having, you know, puddling in certain parts of your yard, um, one of the solutions is to, you know, turn that into a garden instead of trying to combat it, just embrace it. And so that's actually why I've highlighted the fringed sedge today is fringed sedge is a plant that can grow in some of these wet areas and it actually prefers wetness. And it's such a beautiful plant just from a texture standpoint. Um, essentially what a, most sedges, what they look like is some form of grass. Um, and so the fringe sedge is a great, an amazing ground cover. It's not something that's, you know, like a high traffic thing or something. You're not going to be walking on it like your typical lawn, but it's a great low growing ground cover that provides a beautiful texture in its own right. And um, it's worth considering. So let's talk some details. So it grows one to three feet tall, one to two feet wide. And it, this is essentially a clumping plant. Now it does spread slowly by rhizomes. So underground root systems um, to form broader clumps, but it's not something that's going to just like take over everywhere. So it's a really nice kind of slow-growing clumping uh, plant that's really useful. It prefers moist to wet soils, so it can actually tolerate wetness uh, for long periods of time. And it enjoys full sun to part shade. And uh, it grows in USDA zones 3 to 8. And it does tolerate some dryness. So you don't want... This isn't like a super drought-hardy plant uh, by any means. So for you folks out there in California, um, this might not be something for you... Um, but for those of you that 
live in somewhere where, you know, you have a space that does tend to kind of pool up, especially in those wetter months, uh, but then doesn't get like, you know, you don't have like super, super long droughts. Uh, this is a plant to consider. So such a cool little plant. I, I like it. I think it's beautiful. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have it growing in our yard yet. But um, this is a certainly a plant that's on my, my list in the palette of using for uh, plantings and designs. So um, something to consider. All right, so let's jump into our main topic for the day. When it comes to yard drainage, I, essentially what I want to present to you here with this show is some, some yard drainage solutions or um, whether it's backyard drainage issues you have or lawn drainage anywhere in your yard, uh, standing water in your yard. Uh, essentially what I want to present to us here are some yard drainage solutions, and they might not be your typical solutions you're thinking about. Before we talk about the solutions, what we really need to understand is the causes behind uh, the, the situation at hand. So a lot of time, I actually take a lot of inspiration from what's uh, this design science, I guess you could call it, this design method called permaculture. And if you're not familiar with permaculture, um, at this point, don't really worry about it. But in a super quick nutshell, it's it's used, it's a design method used a lot of times for uh, agricultural production, uh, generally speaking at the smaller scale. So home scale agricultural methods um, to develop resilient systems that take care of themselves. And all of that aside, basically what this background gives me is a different lens than your usual um, way you look at problems. And so there's actually a saying in permaculture that goes, the problem is the solution. And while that seems kind of paradoxical, and it's meant to be so, essentially what it means is that when there's a problem that presents itself, it's an opportunity for creativity and to really think and diagnose why something's happening and what to do about it. And, and that's to me is just really cool. And so that's what we're kind of going to use that lens to think about these drainage issues that we have in our yard. And really, maybe it could actually change the way we think about it. And instead of seeing it as a problem, see it as maybe an opportunity to provide a different habitat uh, that can be, you know, used differently. So let's just kind of jump in with that frame of reference and see what we can do here. Okay, so a lot of the causes of yard drainage issues uh, fall into these couple buckets. The first is compaction. Almost always you have compaction in an area that gets a lot of pooling of water um, and stays kind of waterlogged or, you know, mushy or mucky or, you know, you don't have a lawn growing there because it's just it just doesn't grow, right? This Some of this stuff might sound familiar to you. There's a rare occasion where you might have a space where the the water table actually rises up so high that you can't drain anything. And that's a totally different scenario. And, and there, um, there's not much you can actually do about that to drain the space because your water table is essentially at the ground level. And instead, what you do there is you embrace that situation and you, and you, you basically create a, like a, I guess like a marsh rain garden space and and just you know kind of just accept that that's that part of the space for you now that's not what most people have so basically if you have well-drained soil and you still have um, areas that don't drain well that's probably the case for you now for everyone else it's usually the case that it's compacted 
So compaction is basically where you've lost your, you know, your loose soil, your your nice organic matter. Um, think of like a forest floor. You you go into a forest, you're walking through the woods and you step maybe two steps off the trail. And there, you know, that on the trail is your compacted soil. It's firm. It's, um, you know, it's hard ground. You can't just like stick your finger into the ground, right? Well, you take a couple steps off the trail and what you have there is this light, airy, fluffy soil. You can kind of reach your hands down there. You feel tons of roots and everything. It feels alive and it has that rich earthy smell. So that's the difference between non-compacted soil and compacted soil is your trail versus your forest floor just a couple steps away. And, and so when you have compacted soil, uh, maybe you don't have tons of people running across it all the time, but essentially what you have is either a, an erosion prone space or just, you know, not a good buildup of organic matter over time to sustain good, healthy soil life. And so over time, you've basically lost your organic material and you're left with your subsoil, which is likely clay in this condition. Okay, so that actually gets to my next point. So you have compaction, you also likely have dense soil. So this is high in clay content, or maybe silt content, um, but likely you don't have sandy soil. And you also probably have very low organic matter that's leading to this compaction condition. You may just have shallow soil in the first place. So there are a lot of areas where you just don't have a deep layer of topsoil as you know indigenous to your region or native to (laughs) native to your region that's a theme for the day right um instead your region maybe just is a uh, generally speaking doesn't have a ton of organic matter and so you're left a lot of your just mineral based soil is what you're left with and if you have that one of those denser soils that doesn't drain well you your low areas may be prone to this um so to drainage issues um I touched on it already, and it's worth mentioning again. You might just have a high water table. That's usually the rarer occurrence. But if you're in a, um, you know, a much lighter soil area with higher particle size, so your sandy soil, or sometimes your your silty loams, um, you may have just a high water table, and that may be the issue you're dealing with instead. Uh, And and last, but certainly um, important, is. You may just be dealing, too, with all these other conditions, you're likely dealing with poor grading or planning or drainage management on your property. So if you think about um, your typical suburban lot, so when your home was developed, it was likely done by a contractor going in and trying to develop the space as quickly as possible and to you know put in some quick drainage areas and and sewer system whatever and they weren't necessarily thinking on the small scale of what each space does and how it will interact especially over time with the um, natural environment and so what you're left with is often you you have overall your space probably is is engineered in a way where it it drains pretty quickly but you're left with certain areas that can be very boggy or um just wet and kind of muddy or and maybe it's like your whole yard you know if they leveled out your yard and there's nowhere that this the space can drain to very quickly then you end up with a whole yard that's just kind of a big um you know, mess in a way for a while, especially in the wet season. And so that really could be a a strong cause for why you're having yard drainage issues as well.
So when it comes to the actual problem, if, if we're thinking about the actual, um, or I guess the symptom, right? The symptom we see, uh, usually we have wet spots, a soggy yard, uh, or, or dead spots, or, or maybe all of the above. And so, so that's really the pain point, right? Is you don't want these wet spots, you don't want a soggy yard, or you don't want dead spots in your yard. And so that's maybe why you're, you're considering um, trying to fix it somehow. Okay, so the reason, maybe this sounds redundant, but the reason I'm talking about this stuff is it's really important for us to get clear on what is the problem and what is the root cause of the problem. And that can help frame our, our ways of dealing with those problems in the first place. All right, so now that we're clear on the causes of your drainage issues, let's jump in a little deeper now and, and think about how we can improve our yard drainage. So what are some, some fundamental things we can do to fix the problem? or to redirect the problem, or to reframe our mindset. Those are all very important things we could do. Uh, And usually we don't want to change our mind, right? (laughs) But, uh, and that's usually the toughest, but sometimes it's actually the best solution. So I want you to really be open-minded about your issue and see what's really the issue. And that's the, the first thing I want to tackle here is, I need you to ask yourself, is it really a problem? And if it is, that's okay. But I want you to at least ask the question and openly consider what is the problem? Why is it a problem? And so really dig down and understand why. Is it because you just don't like looking at the puddled up water in your yard? If so, maybe we can do something about that without having to make a a major decision trench or something, a drainage trench, right? Most often when people have drainage issues, that's the first thing they go to is, is put in a French drain, right? Or put in a, a redirecting drain that directs the water away from the property. While that can be a good solution for getting water away, it's not always the best solution. It's a lot of work. Uh, eventually those drains can tend to clog up over time and you have to redo it. Um, and also you can then end up causing some serious drought conditions in that space if it drains too well. So I I'm just want you to really understand um, what you're getting into and whether or not it's worth it. Uh, and, or if you can kind of, you know, kind of deflect the problem somewhat. Maybe we can change that space into a garden space that is tolerant of those conditions. Uh, Maybe we can uh, (laughs) embrace the thing and and make it into a, make that a pond area, a small garden pond, right? Um, Or like an ephemeral pond, you know, every once in a while it fills up into a pond and the rest of the year it's kind of like a a moist garden area. Maybe we can, you know, basically, I guess we could we could go on about this, uh, these specific solutions. But um, the general thought here is that just really think about why it's a problem. Dig down deep and understand why. If it's a high traffic area, then yes, maybe that is a problem. Uh, you know, you can't be walking through a space that is muddy 50% of the year. And so that could really be a problem. Um, but just understand why. Okay, when it comes to improving yard drainage, um, there I've broken out interventions into small, medium, and heavy intervention. So what are quick things we can do? What maybe is a little bit more work but can do the job? And then what maybe is a pretty serious job but can really get the job done for us? 
Okay, so for small interventions, the first thing is you could redirect traffic away from the space. So if it is a heavy traffic area, does it have to be? Is that the only space that works in your property for that traffic? Or can you redirect it around that space to help, you know, build back the organic material of that space that can help absorb some of that moisture maybe and help reduce the issue? So a lot of problems with compaction have to do with heavy traffic um, or just lack of good, healthy soil um, as a result of um, poor soil management. And so maybe we could just learn how to do uh, better soil management in that space. But in tandem with that, we also have to stop um, traffic on that space. So when I'm saying traffic, I mean, if there's a lot of walking or running across it, if you have pets that go across it, um, can we redirect that traffic around it somehow? That can help a lot. So it's not just because it's a low spot that it is pulling up with water. It's also because it's lacking in organic matter. It's compacted soil. And so what we want to try and do is loosen up that soil and build up organic matter there and and build healthier soil, um, healthier space. And one key thing to do there is to redirect that traffic away the space. Um, you also want to reduce um, the amount of traffic by if if your kids play there a lot, um, maybe try and you know direct them somewhere else to play instead. Can is there a, a gentle way to do that without having to be frustrated all the time? So could you put up at least maybe for a year or so a, a temporary fence around the place while you you actually make active interventions to add some healthy organic matter to the space and some some um if you want grass there still you can still use grass but something that can help um anchor in that organic matter and grow and provide lush growth that helps keep and retain soil there as opposed to being lost um and so you may have to kind of you know block off the area or it could be a more pleasant way where you could add you know some structures around it that just prevents the the tendency to cross over that space in the first place so maybe you can add a seating area in front of that space or um, something like that or a structure right Um, a temporary structure if it needs to be just until it heals Um, okay so uh, redirect traffic reduce playing in that space with children um, reduce the amount of pets crossing that space and um, if you if you are okay with it, I would highly recommend that you consider something other than lawn for that space. Lawn is not the best. So, you know, lawn grasses are not the best for waterlogged spaces or or standing water prone spaces. Um, There are a lot better plants you could use that um, could grow in that space, help build the organic matter. And so really consider if it's um, possible to replant with a wet tolerant ground cover right there. And again, this could be, you know, a smaller intervention where it's not a major intervention. You could start adding some sedges there, for example, and also add some organic matter at the same time, like compost. Compost is a great adder of organic matter um, that you could add, you know, every once in a while over the course of a few years. Um, Likewise, you could just add your your chopped leaves to that space as you're planting it as well. Um, Okay, so those are small interventions, just simple habit changes, which really... On the surface, sounds like not much, but let's face it, changing habits is tough. And so um, it could be a kind of a tough thing to do, but they they could in themselves uh, be enough to kind of change the issue without having to do tons of work. So let's talk about some medium interventions. 
When it comes to medium interventions, I have two primary ones. The first is installing uh, what like people like to call a French drain. So a French drain is essentially a porous area, uh, uh, usually a trench, that's um, excavated out and filled in with porous material, usually um, rock and gravel, that sort of thing, or drainage pipes, um, and then filled in over top to um, provide you with a surface to move across. And so... Essentially what happens is as the water comes into that space, it percolates through the surface and into this French drain, which is essentially a reservoir underneath your um, space that can kind of fill up and absorb some of that water as then it slowly drains away from the space after that. Um, So you can install a French drain or a lot of people still call these French drains, but they're not really, but like a subsoil um, drain that that runs or like a diversion drain that runs away from the space and so a diversion drain is slightly different it could still have a subsoil piece where you have a trench that's filled with porous material and directs water away from the space and and while it's you know the name's not correct calling it a french drain it's still a very similar thing and and instead of just being a reservoir it actually allows the water to run off the space so if you have a space nearby that's below grade of where you have the drainage issue this is something you can do so those are two medium interventions you can do Um, when it comes to constructing a french drain um, make sure you line it with a, a material that prevents um, it from filling in with soil and, um, and then it becomes less effective. So there's a lot of liners that you can use. Um, even landscape fabric, heavy duty landscape fabric can work. Um, so just, I would suggest kind of going and researching that before you install it in your space to help calculate how big you need to do it. Um, and what types of materials would be best for your space. Okay. So Medium interventions are usually what people jump to right away is, oh, I'm going to put in a French drain to take care of that problem. And it's true that it might, but it also just, it's like I said earlier, it can be a lot of work and I would question whether it's really worth doing in the first place. Now there's a second intervention that I actually like more. Um, and, and I've kind of touched upon this already too, and that is to plant a garden bed there. So can you actually just change the space from being a, what's likely a lawn or, or a lack of a lawn that you want to be a lawn? And maybe you just change your frame and say, okay, can I fit a garden in there? And not just, you know, this heavy-duty, high-maintenance flower garden or something. I'm talking about a low-maintenance garden that brings beauty to your space. Now, you don't want just like a random circle of plants out in the middle of nowhere, but can you design the space to where this... this um, this uh, area you have a problem with, uh, can you design it into a nicer garden space and make it look like it it belongs there? Um, And and another frame of this could be that it's a rain garden, right? You might have heard that term before. Rain gardens are quickly becoming more popular as a way to deal with um, pooling of water like this, also to reduce runoff from your property uh, as you think about the larger landscape outside of our homes um, is actually really beneficial to help protect our groundwater resources, reduce erosion, reduce flooding. These are all really important things that um, if we all had a rain garden on our property, a lot of these problems would be greatly reduced. Um, So uh, consider, yeah, can you just plant the area with 
plants that would thrive in that condition as opposed to the lawn, which doesn't do well in that condition. Okay, when it comes to heavy intervention, the biggest heavy intervention is essentially regrading to remove the water from the space. Now, of course, the only way you can do this is if you have a place to move the water to. And so that's why you see on major developments, they usually end up excavating out a pond now and and directing all the water from that site to that pond area or retention area before it runs out of the space and into the sewer system. And that's why you see that. It's not just for decoration. It's actually for an engineered space to put the water And so on your landscape, you might not have that um, luxury to do so, um, if you you want to call it that. Instead, likely, you have to search for if there's a lower space that you can direct that water to. And that might not be the case, but here's what I would say. If you're having yard drainage issues where you're having pooling too close to a structure like your home or your driveway or, um, you know, a sidewalk, um, those are issues you need to take care of. And you may basically just need to redirect the drainage problem to farther away from those structures. So you might want to consider, can you put in a temporary pond or maybe it is a full year-round pond in some other part of your landscape and direct regrade the space to direct the water toward that space. Or instead of regrading, you know, if you excavate out a pond area, then you could put some subsoil drainage systems in that would take care of some of that water. So things to think about there, there are a lot of work when it came to our backyard at our house, we did regrade our backyard. It was it was because of that last example I gave. We had water pooling up next to the back of our home, and we knew long-term if that con- continued to do so, it would cause some major structural damage to our house because we have a full basement um, with water pressure against it, especially with freezing and thawing conditions, can cause major issues to um, built structures. And so if you have something similar, you may want to consider going to this heavier intervention if there's not an easier way to intervene uh, first. So um, can the water be redirected before it gets there? Possibly. But just consider because heavy intervention, for one, it's a lot of work, a lot of expense. And also, the more heavy your intervention, the more likely chance there is that you make a mistake. And that's really important. So before we did our backyard regrading project, we really sat down and figure out how to do it and how to do it the right way so that way we didn't have to come back in and fix it by making a serious mistake. Because if you make a mistake with drainage, especially around the built environment, you can cause some major problems uh, with your, you know, some very expensive problems. So make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you research it. Um, If it feels like it's a little too much, considering hiring help for this, Uh, There's a lot of professionals that really know what they're doing. Uh, And our space, for example, in our backyard, when we had that pooling issue, it was because there were some previous work done after the house was built. So in between when the house was built and when we moved in, there was an above ground pool that was put in the backyard. And this above ground pool redirected soil in a way that it caused some major drainage issues next to the house. And so when somebody put in that above ground pool, they really weren't thinking things through and it caused some serious problems. So I had to go back in there and fix those problems. So 
with all that said, I really hope this helps you try and understand what you can do about these problems. Uh, so the, the solutions range from very simple habit changes to very intense uh, regrading projects. And um, these are things that you can do yourself if you kind of research it and you know what you're doing. Um, but it can also be a lot of effort, a lot of expense. And if you're talking about those heavier interventions, they can be um, more prone to making mistakes. So really strongly recommend you try the small or medium intervention before you go to the heavy stuff, unless you have to. Okay, last bit here I want to wrap up with are some watch outs. If you're doing any of these projects, make sure you know where your utilities are. Usually you can call 811 if you live in the United States, it can help you find where your utilities are on your property for free. Um, so you can call ahead. They'll send somebody out to mark your utilities. And the reason it's for free is because the utility company knows it's cheaper to prevent the mistakes from happening than to fix something if somebody hits a water line or electric line or gas line. And so take advantage of it. Secondly, um, Make sure you watch out for damaging your foundation by redirecting water closer to your home or by um, excavating away from your home substantially enough to where it causes some erosion problems or such. Um, Also, make sure you watch out for places where you have standing water longer than three to four days. When you have standing water for an extended period of time, it's worth trying to deal with unless you're talking about something that retains water for a very long period of time like a pond. If you're somewhere in between, uh, likely that's going to be an area where you're going to have uh, mosquitoes. You're going to have um, smelly, stagnant water. Um, You might deal with some issues with those things. So um, it's worth trying to figure out how to deal with that properly. Now, when you have a pond, you don't have necessarily the mosquito issues that you have with shorter-term water because um, they have the appropriate ecosystem in place, hopefully. But with those shorter-term water areas, you really want to consider taking care of that issue. Um, Likewise, if you have an area with a rotten or a mucky smell, essentially your soil there is anaerobic from too much standing water and you also want to deal with that issue too so so both the standing water longer than three to four days uh, on you know pretty frequently and also the rotten and monkey smell those are indications that you probably need a, a medium or heavier intervention as opposed to just a simple habit change Okay, guys, that's essentially a wrap for dealing with yard drainage tips um, and hopefully uh, fixing your yard drainage solutions. Um, So head on over. I have a couple links in the show notes uh, over at ely.how slash episode 51. First, a link to today's plant, which is the fringed sedge. Also, I have a link to a bunch of free stuff, so you can head on over to ely.how slash free, and you can check out a bunch of free downloads there that helps you save time in your landscape, design a beautiful landscape that you enjoy. If you're looking for more direct help and some how-to courses and a community that supports you in making a positive change in your yard, you can click the link to um, join the Easy Living Yards membership. And uh, you can also go to ely.how slash membership, and it'll take you there as well. If you want to ask a question directly to me, you can always go to ely.how slash pod. And there's a link right at the top of that page to ask a question and get in touch with me. I'm here to help you guys, so I hope you take advantage of it. 
You can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Pinterest. At Facebook, it's facebook.com slash easylivingyards. Uh, Twitter right now is uh, twitter.com slash, or I'm, and my handle is, I guess that's the way you do it, right? My handle is at Ben the Sprout. Um, so it's kind of a funny little handle there. There's a link in the show notes and Pinterest as well as pinterest.com slash easy living yards. So that's a wrap guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.